It's time for Scaring is Sharing. Yes, it's the place where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. All things, and just some other stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, depending on how we're feeling. <laughs> it's like a roll of the dice. It's a, it's a throw of a dart. I don't know. You, don't, you never know where it's going to end up, okay? You don't know what item we're going to throw to decide what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So if I don't know, you don't know. You being you, the original Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Rusk, and the audiences. And you being Brandy Joe Planbeck, the flaming scream queen himself. So That's right. Hey, everybody. So if you've never listened before, Jeremy and I, our traditional format, we talk about spooky shit and whatever shit. Um, just not, not literal shit. We don't like talking about that. No, um, if, unless we have to. Unless we have to. <laughs> and then usually we assign the other person movie they've not seen. We share the scare and then we talk about it. That's what's happening this week, at least. Mm-hmm. It's been mm-hmm. a long time since we've had an episode like this, but this is the OG format. Yeah, it's been a minute. I was looking at our little list and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's been a few. Yeah. And then, I mean, coming up in the weeks ahead, there's lots of. New movies, and that's what we're going to be doing, because, you know, that's that's really what the people want to hear, is, is the new shit, I gotta say. Yeah, that's 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 what the people want to know about. So. Yeah, but if you want to skip ahead to the movies we're talking about, just look in the podcast notes, and you can do that by going to whatever time thing they are. You know, I don't know. Cool. So, Jeremy, how have you been? It's only been a couple of days. How's life? Yeah, um, good. Just kind of chilling this week on trying to yeah did you see the moon last night apparently it was like a strawberry moon or something no i totally missed that i literally I just saw somebody post something about it like look at the moon from last night and it was and i thought about it because no i didn't think about the moon but last night um i ha- we had canceled the show we were doing because it was pride um and it was just going to be a madhouse in in ferndale where our theater is so i i had the night off and I was home by like seven, which is a rarity. And um, I have this friend who I've paid to like come and do some like yard things, like not just like mowing and stuff, but like moving plants and mulching Mm -hmm. and things that just, I don't have that in me. And he brought us this, like um, it's almost like a little table top fire pit. Mm, grill mm-hmm. thing i and i've not ever used it like i went and bought a bunch of wood chips to try it out and last night i was like i'm gonna go out and do that tonight and i didn't because i was in bed by like 9 <laughs> but i thought about it and i wish i would have done it and then you would have saw the moon maybe maybe i would that would have been the really depressing thing though if i would have gone out and done it and missed the moon still mm-hmm. <laughs> and saw all those posts so you never know you never know how life's gonna go but know? i don't know yeah we were driving around last night and i didn't notice the moon so yeah <laughs> i totally missed it do you know i was listening to talk scary to me today when i went to the gym which is the daniel harris scout taylor compton podcast um the last episode they had adam green on is that right adam green the one who directed the hatchet series that's that's him yep and whoever he's on a podcast with someone else who's also a horror person i think joe um, lynch what's that joe lynch oh is that right what is their podcast called uh and their podcast is the movie crypt 
Yes, the movie Crypt. Thank Which you. Which I Have used you to listen to, to. I used to listen to it years ago. Okay, uh, but I fell off a long time ago, and that's just one of those. Not because it was bad or anything. It's just one of those I totally forgot about it and have never. And they're like, oh, I should check back in and see where they're at because it's been years since I listened to that show. Now, have you watched all the Hatchet films? Yes. See, I remember one and two. I love two because Daniel Harris came on as the lead girl from part one, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And then I think I started three. Is three the one with like a plane crash or is that four? That's four. That's Victor Crowley? Yes. Okay, because I started, I think that I must have watched three, because I definitely started Victor Crowley, but it was just, there was too much, like, look how funny we are. are in it. Yeah, <laughs> by, by, by that point, it's gotten very, like, uh, trying to be cheeky all the time. Yeah, which I just was like, okay, no. But I was thinking, I have not watched all of that, and maybe I should give it a go. Um, what do you feel about that series in general? I'm a fan. Um, I was like a big fan when I discovered the first hatchet. Like it was one that I think I was a couple years behind on it. Like I had heard of the title and knew it was kind of bubbling under the surface as this like cult hit, uh, in the making. Uh, but when I finally watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And then I was like locked in to follow, uh, all the, uh, all the other ones as they came out and they were, they're all good. I think the original is still like his best one. Um, yeah. And uh, like two is pretty fun. Three is fun, but I, I think most people will say three is the weakest <laughs> of the whole series. Three is the only one that wasn't directed by Adam Green because okay. uh, he was working on another movie. So it was like the director of photography uh, that was on all of them stepped up to the director spot. But yeah, three is, you know, OK, but it's starting to feel very repetitive. <laughs> Of like mm -hmm. the ones before it and then four is that sort of break where they almost do kind of a meta thing with it from what i remember uh and uh and four was pretty good i think it was a good return to form like i hope i don't know he's been saying there might be more i hope this is kind of it for a while just the four that he's done because i think they work out uh i think they, they've told the story <laughs> that they could with it uh for now so I yeah, they it. talked about that on the podcast that they like he said to Daniel Harris at one point, like if, when we if we ever do five and six, we should just shoot them together. And she said that at some con. And now everyone's like talking about, oh, five and six is happening. And he's like, that's not the case. He's And then he talked about how, you know, it's just it's a lot of work. And I mean, of course, but like just all the options and that it's going to be a while if it does happen. Mm -hmm. and. Then he talked about how Terrifier did what they tried to do with that movie. Terrifier 2, more specifically. Because, oh. like, you, like they tried to get some of those in AMC, and AMC, like, pulled them because they were, like, too gory, and they were unrated and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And even as far as Victor Crowley, I mean, yes, he is somewhat of a name in, like, horror villain history. I mean, mm -hmm. he is a name, for sure. Yeah. But, like, he never really took off. No, like not they quite. Kind of wanted him to. No, just he's in yeah. like the hardcore circles. Yeah, exactly. Like I was saying, he's definitely like a cult character, like uh, for sure. Like, which yes, if you don't know, Victor Crowley is like a Jason Voorhees sort of character. Like you know, he, he as a little, it's very much like the burning. Like it feels like the burning remade mm -hmm. 
in many ways. But he was like a little kid and he got like a hatchet through his face from his dad on accident, like through a door. Yes. And then he like is in these swamplands and he's like gigantic and sort of disfigured from having an axe through his face and has like superhuman strength and like rips people apart and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess technically he's a ghost, I think. Oh, like, OK. It gets, yeah. it gets there at some point in the series. Yeah, yeah well, because it's like he's, he's supposed to have died in the story, yet he still like haunts the swamp. Okay, and then it like they get really weird. Where, uh, yeah, I guess he's a ghost, but he's also like a physical thing because that's why he can keep coming back. Is because he's already undead in some way. So I don't know. They don't really explain it, like the the or, or like the movie explains the rules enough to have its own rules <laughs> within the movie. But it doesn't really explain to you what's going on ever in any of them. So yeah, but if you like a slasher with a lot of gore and that sort of throwback Friday the Thirteenth feel, that's what. Yeah. That's what the hatchet movies are. They, they actually always reminded me a lot of, uh, or at least the first one reminded me a lot of Madman. Oh yeah, ever saw that movie? Like mm, regional mm-hmm. East Coast. Uh, yeah, I've slasher seen some flick. of Yeah, where it's like kids at a summer camp, and there's a story of a maniac that haunts the camp. If you taunt him, he'll come come back and seek revenge. And it's another one of those where it's kind of nebulous, where you're like, I guess he's a ghost. Or maybe he's a guy. I don't know. The movie doesn't really explain it, but he seems supernatural and uh, he's crazy. So. So after that episode that I listened to, which was interesting in regards to Terrifier, and I feel like that's the one thing that they're like, oh, maybe we should do another one because Terrifier took off and they had this success at AMC. Maybe we could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, they had Alex Vincent on, you know, Andy from Child's Play, which first yeah. of all, realizing that Child's Play, the OG is. 35 years old is in fucking sane. Uh-huh. It is insane. And that Chucky is still going hard. Like, uh-huh. That is so impressive. Mm-hmm. So impressive. But Alex Vincent was on it. Like, you know, he's like a little cub bear now. Like, I, I love him. Like, I think he's, and he's on like the Chucky TV series. And I've ever since he's come back into it, I've just been like, oh, God, I love him. He's like a little hairy, a little beardy, and a little thick with like four C's. And I just adore him. Always thought he was gay, and I don't know why. And then he starts talking about his girlfriend, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and Oops. I don't know if it was just wishful thinking, uh-huh. or if it was the whole Don Mancini, creator of Child's Play, being gay, that somehow I just transferred that to Alex Vincent. But I always, always, ever since he's come back around, thought he was gay. Oh. And nope, he's been with this woman for six years. So not to say, you know, whatever. He was just talking about having a threesome with other dudes. Um, but... Not necessarily like with them, just with the same girl, more than one mm-hmm. guy. <laughs> but I was, I was thoroughly disappointed. I got to oh, say, not that you... I thought I was gonna like go off and have some sort of, you know, he's you're not go what, find him. That, yeah, what's that, that him? gold ticket called or whatever, where you're in a relationship but you have oh, hall pass, hall pass. <laughs> Mm -hmm. i'm such a dork hall pass um he's not like my hall pass or anything Mm -hmm. oh well maybe but maybe yeah i was i was saddened by that but again who cares i mean it's not like i'm ever gonna probably meet the guy yeah (laughs) but i still was like oh fuck I i thought he was on my team oh no i know uh we have some teragrams yeah yeah let's do it Let's do it. Let's see. Um, I can kick us off here. I have one from Horror Boob himself. Mm, okay. And we got um he I gave you that little 
the photos he sent over for you. Yes, thank you, Horror Boob. Uh, yeah, so cute. I'm so excited to have these and some cool stickers too. And yeah, I'm a- I love those little stickers. It's like the the Happy Meal. Yeah, the Happy Meal ones. And he sent me this big uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space sticker. Fuck yeah. And I'm about stickers, so hell yeah. All right, so Alex's email starts, uh, or the subject is Pope's X Talk and Thoughts. Hey guys, so I've been doing good on catching up on the podcast. But anyways, Pope's Exorcist, I was over it before the trailer started. I think these Exorcist and demonic movies don't do so well. The Curse of La La Rona, The Conjuring 3, Pope's Exorcist, etc. And I'll say it now, nothing has scared me more in that genre than the original Exorcist due to the practical effects they used and just being the first possession movie. And growing up Catholic... Till I was eight to nine and going to Sunday school and seeing the nuns walk past you and stare and having a porcelain life-size casket of Jesus wide open in the service room for us kids to walk past by. I think the reason they don't do so well is because our generation, by the way, I'm 26, LOL, not 21, uh, but go on, keep complimenting me. Anyways, it's not that shocking to us due to the shit we see every day. School shootings. Women's rights being threatened, immigration bills being passed, LGBT rights being taken away, etc. I think when the line is so thick and reality is scarier than anything Hollywood can ever put on screen, that when we walk into the theater and see a kid contorting on a table speaking Latin and in tongues, we laugh and think, think it's a joke. I'm going to say it now and... Hopefully I get to eat my words and I hate to even say it because David Gordon Green... Uh, did that thing with Halloween 1 and 2, but I think the Exorcist trilogy he's making is going to flop even more than Halloween ends. The only way it would work is if he gags us on our seats and they come up with something so haunting, so chilling, something not done before, no bed raising, no CGI CGI eyes rolling back in the head, no writings on the body, and puke. But anyways, that's my little rant on these baby possession movies. Also, Jeremy. If you like or are interested in the occult stories and stuff, go down to Mexico. We have little elf creatures called Duendes, a moving mannequin called La Pascualita, and a hairy hand that grabs you underneath your bed to the underworld, La Mano Paluda. Ain't no hocus pocus around here, but in Mexico and South America, the things that happen and stories now that will give you goosebumps. Before I go, y'all ready for Insidious the Red Door? XOXO HB for horror boob. Thanks, Alex. And those sound like some really fun stories from Mexico. Oh, God. Yeah, I love uh, Mexican. Uh, That's like something new I've been discovering too. more of the Mexican folklore and like some of the South American like supernatural stuff. I remember when I was in college. There was this story making the rounds because there was like grainy cell phone video uh, that somebody caught of what they were calling creepy gnome. Uh, and it was oh. like in Argentina or something like that. And I know there is a whole uh, it sounds like sort of what he was mentioning in there, too. I know in like South America, there's a whole tradition of these little like almost like Bigfoot. But they're of like we call them gnomes because they're like little hairy guys that people see running around or claim to see. So uh, and I remember there was alleged video footage that kept popping up of them in the early uh, 2000s. And if you could track those videos down, I think they're still creepy. Like, probably all faked, but they're still really creepy. It sounds uh, like the Duendes. Yeah, Little it does. elf creatures. I think so. I want to yeah. know more about the mannequin. The and when Pascualita. We, I remember when we went to uh, uh, Mexico, Sarah and I went to Mexico last year uh, on a trip. And we were in the uh, Playa del Carmen was the area we were in. 
uh, near Cancun. Uh, well, I say near Cancun, but it was like a decent drive away from it. But that was the next biggest city. Um, but I remember we went into town and I had some pictures with them too. There's these uh, wood carvings of these weird creatures uh, that were based off of like uh, native uh, traditions of uh, spirits. Like they're supposed to be spirits that are like amalgamations of like people and animals that uh, there's all kinds of folklore around. And they had these wood carvings of them through the town. Uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. Interesting. So I'm looking up La Pascualita. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And the the legend is that this mannequin in the window of this bridal shop is actually the dead body of the daughter of the former shop owner who got like, involved, like died young and got like embalmed into like a mannequin. That's cool. It's kind of like House of Wax. Yeah, I like that. That sounds so cool. Yeah, I want... And yeah, Curse of La Llorona was so bad. But La Llorona is so good. Yeah. And you have not seen that, right? I've not seen those oh. ones. You've not, well, you don't need to see the Conjuring one. It's yeah, so, not the so Conjuring bad. one. Okay, gotcha. But there's do, like an actual Spanish one that is so fucking good. And I do agree, kind of in general, I'm wondering about this generation coming up, like their views on horror because the news is so horrific. Like what's really going to be scary anymore? Um, it's making me think of last week when we were talking about German uh, film history, when I mentioned how post-World War II Nobody cared about horror movies because they just lived through some of the most horrific things that, you know, uh, mm -hmm. societies have had to go through. So I feel like that happens <laughs> in, in like all the time to cultures around the world. Like you'll find places where you're like, oh, there's they never made any horror movies because none of this stuff is scary. Because so what's the point to them? Because they've gone through some horrible period of war or, you know, societal upheaval or whatever. So I, I find like horror, I think, flourishes in places where it's relatively stable. There's not a lot of like crazy stuff happening. And that's why like social horror, like Jordan Peele is so great. And I want more of that, which yeah. I think movies try to do sometimes like, you know, these movies that all deal with like grief that are all coming out, like smile, which is more, I think about like depression and mental health, Yeah, but like, you know, the boogeyman and the Duke, things like that. But like getting to really the more of the core of social issues. Yes. Like, like Get yeah. Out did, like ahead of its time. I mean, not that that, I mean, racism and everything has been going on forever, but like hit, you know, before 2020. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it definitely hits in a very different way. And it's so, and I used to like think of that movie when it first came out. And this is how, like, I'm not going to say closed minded I am, but I guess the way my mind used to think a little bit, like I would look at it, I'm like, well, it's not really racism. Like they want to, they want the bodies of the black people. They want it. And like, look back and i used to say that about get out like i'm like oh, it's mm -hmm. not really about racism it's about it as in, in a different way but it like a hundred percent is i just like i just was trying to dissect it in a way and not that like i didn't want it to be about that i just yeah i didn't I, the way it approached it was so it, unique it just challenged your thinking like the way it was originally framed to think about those things you've now had I think what they would call a paradigm shift where you're thinking about it. Oh, I get it now. You know, that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Which, which is good because that means you're a healthy person that's evolving <laughs> in an appropriate way. Yeah. So 
Yeah, but I, I definitely, I mean, there's, and I know that there's some social horror out there about the abortion thing. There is a movie that's come out in like the last year that is about that sort of thing, like a, mm-hmm. an abortion pill or like traveling somewhere to get an abortion. And I don't remember what it is, but mm-hmm. there is a horror movie along those lines that it didn't really take off from what I understand. Yeah. And then like they, them, I think, you know, it dealt with like a conversion camp but not successfully from what everyone says. Yeah, that it has such horrible ratings and I'm still such like horrible ratings. I'm still interested to watch it for myself just to see like what's really going on there because I never really got like a clear consensus as to what people hated, like what was why is it so uh received so poorly? So And yeah, I knows? mean there are movies like and I've not seen it, but like Boy Erased, which is I think about, you know, a gay kid who his parents try to I think it's about conversion therapy and things like that, which I'm, you know, is horrific um, among itself. There's these movies that do mm-hmm. deal with these real life issues that are horrific, but I do, I really want like a strong ass, like gay horror movie that deals with those social issues. Yeah. And it's just, I thought they, them was going to be it. They slash them, I should say, because yeah. I believe they want it to be the title. Pronounced to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels like that's also the thing you run into. And I'll say specifically of the American film industry and our media environment is like it's still so dominated by the Hollywood machine. Uh, and so it's become increasingly harder to make things uh, that are going to be challenging in the way that a social horror movie, I think, would have to be to be successful in what we're talking about wanting them to do. You're going to have to upset people. You're going to have to ruffle feathers and you're going to have to make people think and not give them a nice, you know, good guys, bad guys, good guys, punch the bad guys and the good guys win. Like that's sort of what the hot, that's what the superhero, you know, superhero vacation of Hollywood where we're living right now has done to everything. So it's real hard to make things that don't fit into that narrative. Fucking Hollywood, you know? Yeah, that's why I I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought that, like, going to Europe, too, and seeing, like, what's playing at movie theaters over here? Oh, uh, not a bunch of... I mean, they're still there as superhero movies, but it's like, oh, there's a lot of space for their local, <laughs> you know, dramas and weirder art films or what are more playing. So, yeah, I think, like, some of the cool stuff will probably be, hopefully, from somewhere else in the world. <laughs> Other than America right now. And real life horrors, like I the other day, once we finished our episode, I was looking into the that graduate we were talking about, Cameron Robbins, who like jumped off the cruise ship. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw more about that in the news. And that, that like there supposedly is like a you could see a shark in the video. That's what they said that yeah, some people are speculating that there's an image like you can't really see what it is other than it's just a thing. It could be a reflection off the water. Who knows? But people are saying it might've been a shark. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he swam away suddenly. Cause he saw the shark. Uh, and they did say that it's very shark infested waters that he jumped oh, into. So God, it is so tragic. It is so tragic. Cause it's like, people don't, I don't know. I think people forget how like horrible <laughs> sharks can be. Like you don't want to be in the water near them. Cause <sighs> They uh, they just go for it, you know. Uh, poor kid. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Horaboob. And please follow Horaboob. It's just like it sounds. Those two words put together. Follow him on Facebook and buy his stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. So next one, I guess, right? Next yeah. program. Your next program comes from Teacher Drew, of course. We yes. love you, Teacher Drew. Uh, Teacher Drew writes, good morning, guys. Summer is here and I'm going to make the most of it. My latest travel companion is the Final Girls Support Group. I assume Brandy Joe has read it. 
thoughts. Speaking of travel, when I hear your next episode, I'll be in Savannah. There are a few nighttime haunted history tours that I'll be taking, and I can't wait. I agree with Brandy Joe. Influencer was a pleasantly twisted surprise, and I hope you feature it at some point on your pod. Question for Jeremy. There are a number of trauma movies on streaming right now. As a trauma virgin, shocking, I know. Which should I watch first? Well, guys, I'm off to see Boogeyman so I can finish your latest episode. Till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, stay you. Teacher Drew in Phoenix. Thanks, Teacher Drew. Have a beautiful vacation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you, I've, you've read Final Girl Support. Group, I listened right? to it. Yeah, listen I mean, I, I know I've talked about it a bit, but ooh, the audiobook is rough. Adrian King and it I listened to it on like quadruple speed or something like just yeah, the, the most it, insane okay. thing ever. I had to listen to it one. so cuz it was so slow and painful and I did not love it. I, I don't think it was just the delivery that did not help, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's a very strong book. But teacher Drew, excited to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, uh trauma. 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 Man, I I mean I'm really into the what I'd call the classics. If you're starting, if you've never seen anything by trauma, um, I think kind of like the best like mission statements for what trauma does is uh, the original toxic Avenger, of course. Oh, yeah. uh, and maybe the first class of Newcomb high. Uh, those will kind of give you a feel of like what their whole thing's about. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we just featured it uh, with Lauren on Monster in the Closet. I think that's a strong one. If you can, if that's out there uh, from Trauma, is it like a because with Trauma, of course, you have all the movies that were done by Lloyd Kaufman as director, but then there's a lot of other stuff that they like produced and distributed. So Monster in the Closet's a fun alternative. That's not one of the Lloyd Kaufman movies. Um, and I was trying to think as I read that, I was like, uh, I remember liking Tromeo and Juliet a lot. That was from like uh, the 90s, their later uh, era. Um, And it's just Romeo and Juliet, but done like it's a living South Park episode. It's so crass and vulgar. Um, And uh, anything else? The one I want to, what upsets me is like one of my big exposures to trauma originally as a teenager was renting with my friends Rabid Grannies from the video store. Uh, mm-hmm. except the problem is like when I try to find it on streaming or on digital, it's this cut of the movie that's like inferior to the, what was on video. Cause interesting. Yeah. Apparently there's, they call it a director's cut. Cause it was like uh, rabid grannies is actually a Belgian movie, I think. And it was made by these, uh, these guys in Belgium. Um, and their original version of the movie was like just over an hour long. And uh, and trauma found it or, you know, Lloyd Kaufman got involved like we want to distribute this, but here's a little more money, film some more scenes and make it longer. Uh, And that's the one I saw was trauma's like produced version where it's like 80 minutes long um, and it's just it flows better. Like I watched the the so-called director's cut or producer's cut or whatever they call it, the alternate cut. And that's only like 70 minutes long. And uh, it has a really bad like uh, color correction to it or something like it looks like they filmed with uh, something over the lens or something like the colors look horrible. Uh, So, yeah, the version, if you can find it, you have to make sure you're watching the like 80 something minute long version uh, that was on like video and DVD back in the day because that is like remastered looks better. Uh, it's got extra scenes that make it more enjoyable. So 
So I don't know what's going on with Rabbit Grannies, but yeah, for some reason on digital, they keep throwing up this inferior, like really crappy looking cut of it. Now, I just pulled up like some lists, right, of top mm-hmm. 10. And there's some that are like off of like IMDb and stuff. But then when you find like the list curated by like fans, there's yeah. one on there that you've not said that I know you love. What's that? Because you've given it to me. Wait, which one did we do? Uh, I can't remember. All Cannibal the, the Musical. Oh, Cannibal the Musical. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's another <laughs> one. That yeah, that was another early exposure for trauma for me. Was my friends and I renting that on video as teenagers and being like, "Oh, this was great." Because that's the top three. Number one, they have Class of Newcom High, which is surprising to me. Yeah. Number two is Toxic Avenger. Number three is Cannibal. Then Terror Firmer is number four. Which oh, I Terror don't know Firmer. Of. That one's. Okay. Um, I feel like I don't know. Nowadays, it it, it does some stuff in there uh, with, I mean, about trans people essentially. That I I wonder how it would play now because <laughs> mm. I feel like when it came out, it's a different, different sort of vibe. People sense you know sensitivities to that sort of thing, or I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it would play not as well <laughs> watching okay. Terra Firmer now. <laughs> Then they have blood sucking freaks as number five, mm, poultry okay. geist. Oh yeah, poultry geist. I forgot it. that was that was the big one that came out when I was in college and was sort of like a uh, revitalization for trauma. It'd been a minute since they had anything that even was like remotely a hit because <laughs> I, I, you know, they're not making big movies, but poultry geist was a hit on the like art house circuit. So okay, then they have combat shock. I've never seen that one. I know that's their like dead serious, like one of the most serious movies it's about like a veteran with ptsd Mm -hmm. that goes on a killing spree and then they have tromeo and juliet as Mm -hmm. eight and then frost spider wrath of the wendigo number nine oh wow okay i know that one i know that's a really cheap like it's like a picked up by them but it was filmed in southeast michigan yeah i had just recently learned about that one because it's like getting a blu-ray release from somebody that i was like what is this thing and i watched it and it looks like somebody's like regional homemade horror movie and i love those kind of things interesting yeah it was made in 88 but not distributed or wasn't released until 1996 from trauma Mm. and then monster in the closet is number 10 yeah, Monster in the Closet's pretty solid. I feel like that skates under the radar from uh, when people talk about trauma. but Yeah, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. So some on there to check out. But yeah, Teacher Drew, please report back. I also, I also do want to say Boogeyman. Uh, after the fact, I was like, did they watch the movie Monster in the Closet? Because I feel like the monster, when I started to think about it, reminded me of the monster from Monster in the Closet. And, you know, we didn't touch on all the other Boogeyman movies. Like, yeah, of which there are many. <laughs> but, like, they're all sort of related to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's Boogeyman 1 and 2 from, like, the 80s, yep. which are horrible. I've tried to, well, I've only tried to watch the first one. It's so bad. Yeah, the Boogeyman. That's the one with, like, it's got, like, mirrors, right, as, like, yeah, a plot point. Yep, yeah, yeah. It's directed by uh, Yuli Lommel, who was like this big German director. He was part of like the art house movement in Germany. And then he came to the U.S. and for some reason just made increasingly schlockier horror movies for the rest of his career. So the poster's great. I remember the video box so distinctly that girl in the window in the shadow. And it has like mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. It is all like weird mirror shit. Yeah. And then part two, I've not ever seen but it looks bad and then and then like then there were i think three because they remade the boogeyman in like 
the early 2000s or something and mm-hmm. it did not do well it was said it was really really bad and i think that they did two more sequels off that yeah yeah people try to make the boogeyman like a thing like it, <laughs> it comes as a pre-built you're like it's like the original franchise monster movie character how do we not have a awesome series based on the boogeyman but, yeah but alas yeah. last we don't maybe this new one maybe part two will be even better maybe we'll see um well cool well thanks and if you want to write into us scaring and sharing at gmail.com or follow us on insta scaring and sharing all one word hit us up yeah do you have right any in. did you watch anything or any other neos uh i was thinking about how uh because podcasts you mentioned uh scout uh taylor compton her podcast uh talk talks scary, scary to me talk yeah. scary to me i just caught it was during my uh my flights while we were traveling i listened to apparently howie mandel has a podcast uh, called mm-hmm. what is it? It's called like Howie Mandel does stuff or something like that. Yeah. But on a recent episode, he had Rob Zombie on oh. as a guest, and they specifically talked about how horrible it was uh, for Rob working with the Weinstein's making the oh. Halloween movies. Oh. So he got into some of the nitty gritty of like because he was like, yeah, now I feel comfortable talking about it because everyone knows what kind of you know assholes they are fully uh so he he was able to open up a little bit about apparently making the first halloween was so bad because uh because he he said they just had crazy ideas and just were mean to everybody and just total awful tyrant assholes about the whole production that uh it was it was a hard experience for him to make that first movie uh and he said how he had a three picture deal with them Oh. Uh, and was so burned out after the first movie, he didn't want to come back. Um, but they eventually, what happened was when they went to make two, apparently they hired and fired a bunch of directors. Uh, and eventually Rob was like, okay, I'll do number two for you if you let me out of the rest of the contract and I don't have to do a third movie. And that's why wow. there never there never was a third Halloween. There was supposed to be in that series, but uh he hated working with the weinstein so much that he got it can- he got it canceled so that's that's what happened it's good for him yeah, yeah. Harry mandel was on talk scary to me because i think scout taylor compton was in like something uh when she was a little girl she was on some show howie mandel had she did like yeah uh, he talked about that in that episode where oh, he, he said he, okay he said he got to know uh scout from before and talked about yeah, how and i think it, she'd like dated his son or something like that yeah as well. and he, he said he spoke very highly of her but said that she was uh had a very interesting life and upbringing which then rob zombie was like oh wow i she never mentioned any of that stuff. Yeah, because when, when she her. was uh, when she was a teen, she like disappeared for a while because she just couldn't handle all the stress, and they wanted to make her like a pop star and all this shit, all this stuff yeah. she didn't want to really do, and so she just like ran away for like a week. But mm-hmm. because she was like dating his son, mm-hmm. like that they started like tapping like their phone lines or something, trying to find out like where she was. Uh-huh. Like, and she just disappeared and got and like stay with a bunch of like skaters or something. <laughs> <laughs> like so how he was like yeah the fbi was like trailing my family because of you scout oh wow <laughs> so yeah it's an interesting episode but like it's weird because you think you're howie mandel like surely you should have like a microphone like you and i have microphones yeah <laughs> and, exactly like, they were like just calling in on like a zoom computer it was like him and his daughter were like guests on their episode yeah and it was just like the sound quality was like so bad i'm like you're howie mandel like yeah what's going on here? you have a microphone at home but yeah who maybe knows? He just does movies you know i don't know and uh, one more thing I want to add, because I forgot about this, was one of the our favorite takeaways from visiting Berlin. Yeah. Uh, speaking of possible horror franchises, uh, they have in 
it's specifically it's in East Berlin or, you know, the part of the city that was East Berlin. Um, the traffic lights, you know, don't walk, walk mm-hmm. uh, the crosswalk lights have a little man on there, which I know, you know, people are used to. But this guy, he's like a little man wearing a hat uh, and he's called Ampelman. So, like, look it up online. Uh, Sarah fell in love with it. She's like, I love Ampelman. He's so cool. Uh, and we were just, we just kept talking about it. We're like, that could be a horror movie set in Berlin. You have the Ampelman. Oh, look at him. See, see it. He looks like TikTok when he's the red don't walk. He looks like a really skinny TikTok from Return to Oz. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. How? And, no, sorry. That's taking me off on a little tangent. Did you know? And I don't remember if I talked about this. So stop me if I did. The Return to Oz was the first time that that blue Walt Disney Pictures logo was used. I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that Very crazy? Cool. Wow. And Return I had it written to Oz. Down. I couldn't remember if I ever said that or not. No. But cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's oh Ampelman. I like him, Ampelman. So I'm like, yeah, they should do a horror movie in Berlin with Ampelman as like kind of a monster. Looking at him, when you're, li- and if you want to spell it, it's like A-M- I'm sorry, A-M-P-E-L-M-A-N-N-C-H-E-N, I think is like the full thing. Yeah, Ampelmanchen. But, but um, it almost, like when he's walking like the green go, it looks like he has one arm or like his dick is weirdly shaped and poking yes, out. It could be. It almost looks like a boner. And then like his stop, he looks like a skinny TikTok. Like his yep. head looks like TikTok's head. Yep. And, and then it, it just looks like he got really skinny. And that and that full name just means traffic light man in German. That is so. amazing. Oh my God. He's so weird looking. But it's I a thing it. that people that live in those parts of Berlin, like they kept it, even though it was like a reminder of the communist huh. regime. People liked it so much that they're like, don't take away our Ampelmann. We love him. Well, so many things learned this go around. I enjoy it very much. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess that's it. That's all I got for now. All right. Well, let's share our scares with each other. Yeah, you go first this time. I do. And I I was going to give you like a pridey sort of gay slasher that I know. Okay, so I'm going to, you have a choice. Do you want like a gay slasher or do you want like modern, more art house horror? Oh, shit. Well, you I know, too, so which... you know, I'm going to say a gay slasher. <laughs> okay, I don't the... know how you're going to find it. I'm sure it's available somewhere. It's not like on my site, but I'm sure you can probably rent it. Okay. And I haven't watched it since it like came out. So I, I don't, it's, I think almost 20 years old. Okay. It's called Hellbent. I've heard of this. Okay. And then I don't, so, but it, I don't know anything about so it. I'm sorry that I just, I already told you essentially what it is, but plot wise, you probably don't know what it is. No, not at all. Not at all. So it's a slasher movie with some gay characters, I'm assuming, or themes and, uh, Hellbent. I feel like I can see the poster or something like I, think i remember it but uh and i wonder if it has some sort of satanic themes satanic killers uh on the loose hilarity ensues <laughs> okay cool there you go uh and i'm gonna go with i kind of jumped all over the place but i was just like you know what i've been talking about german horror i wanted to dive back into some of these these old uh golden age very influential horror movies okay uh, and I am going to, and I'm going to go on a limb and assume you haven't seen this, but I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, Fritz Lang's M. Oh, I don't even know what it is. Okay. Well, that's gonna... the title. Just the letter M. And it's okay. uh, from, uh, from Germany from uh, 1931, I believe. Okay. Well, I imagine the M 
is the first initial of someone's name. I want to say it stands for monster, but I'm pretty sure that's not it. Um, but I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with it. It's about a really fancy monster who just goes by M. <laughs> and I think that they, um, they're like, well, they're held up to great esteem in this particular place where they live. Maybe it's an old kingdom of some nature. Um, and But something happens and they, they lose their ranking and they have to, they get very angry that they're no longer looked at as um, royalty of some nature or like a high political figure, whatever. And, and the monster goes on a rampage. I know it can't be that, but that's what I'm going to say. That sounds awesome. Absolutely no idea. And now I want to write that movie. Because <laughs> monsters are always like, oh, scary. But it's like, what if a monster was like, ooh, you're, you're like, look at all the power you have. And then that power is taken away. Just kind of like, and sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Kind of like um, I was listening to Development Hell, mm-hmm. Joshua Corngut, and um, and I heard that the um, Peter Jackson Nightmare on Elm Street, which was essentially that, like, yeah. like Freddy Krueger had all of his, like the kids would come into their dreams to just like torture Freddy. Yeah, and make fun of him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so kind of like that. But and like, I, and I yeah. wish they had made that one because uh, that so would have been wild. Yeah. And with Peter Jackson having done it, too, it would have been all like uh, just ridiculously like splatterpunk, like yeah. those horror movies were at the time. So that would have been cool. Love that. All right. Well, cool. Well, let's um, watch these and come back and talk about them. Hell yeah. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. So this is the half where we talk about the movies on a typical episode, which this is. <laughs> it sure is. It is typical. Typical. And, but we're not your typical people. I mean, but we are strange and unusual. We are very atypical people. So right. one could argue every episode's atypical, but <laughs> but yes, here we are, and we're gonna talk about the shares that we scared. Or the scares that we shared. I got them reversed. And first up is Hellbent from 2004, directed by Paul Etheridge. No relation to Melissa. (laughs) And the description is, when the night belongs to the devil, the party goes to hell. And the letterbox description is, on Halloween in West Hollywood, two guys making out in a park are interrupted by a serial killer. Later that night, a group of gay kids decide to visit to the site of the murders. Decide to visit to... That just sounds weird. That's grammatically incorrect. But also, it leaves out the carnival. Like, yep. whatever. But yes, gay people murder. Yeah, there's a lot West more Hollywood. going on. West Hollywood. Um, this uh, was a movie. <laughs> it was. How did you did you rent it on Amazon? I actually found it on YouTube. Somebody had it just uploaded the whole movie on YouTube. So that's how I watched it. Yeah, I rented it and the quality is just so bad. I mean, it is. Okay, good. I was old. I was wondering if it was just the the YouTube video I was watching, but I mean, that like, could have been worse. It probably it made is. it worse, but it definitely looked like a shot i don't know like at moments it reminded me of a soap opera from the way the video quality looks sure so yeah this was shot on like cheap digital tape probably like a million years ago so and it looked like it (laughs) so tell me more uh this was a movie that going into it like i did like quickly take a peek at or i should say as i was watching it i took a peek at the letterboxed like score 
And from how I was experiencing the movie, I was shocked at how high the Letterboxd average rating is. Because uh, it's like a 3.0 or a 3.1 or something. And in my book, that's pretty good. So I was just like, really? Because I'm like, I'm just, I don't think I'm jiving with this thing. Uh, but I see all these like stellar reviews on Letterboxd. Um, but I know Letterboxd is its own ecosystem. It does not normally, you know, it doesn't always reflect the wider world anyway. Um, and it, and you know, each it, it's like each star ratings in the hundreds at most. So I don't think many people have actually watched this altogether. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I, I just didn't feel like I was jiving with this because I'm like, it feels really cheap. Um, like I, I love the idea of a gay slasher, of course, like representation is awesome. I like to see like, yeah, just make a slasher, but put this, you know, do it this way. I like that idea, but this movie just felt so rough and cheap. And if I had not seen, because uh, I think what struck me at the end was like, if if I didn't know like Knife Plus Heart existed or uh, Stranger by the Lake, if I had not seen those movies, I might've experienced this one differently. Um, but I feel like I have seen this idea done better <laughs> by better, uh, just, you know, better quality, uh, better everything. So this kind of left me flat. Yeah, the first time I saw it was probably not too long after it came out. I think Joe and I watched it together in like the first house we lived in, which is like two houses ago. And I remember just being like, ugh, like not good. And I remember I like had on my list because I was pretty sure you hadn't seen it. Mm -hmm. But I would just kept being like, "Ugh, do I really want to do I want to rewatch that, which is sometimes the case. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, though, I was so pleasantly surprised by how much. Oh, I did, which okay. is so weird because I did not. The first time I saw it, it was lackluster. I remember just thinking, not impressed. Don't need to watch that again. And now I'm like, oh, I think I want this on like a Halloween rotation. Like I just I was so much more connected to the characters this time, which mm. is what I think it does the best is it has this group of guys. And while they and it seems like they fit some tropes like within like slasher movies, like you have like your nerdy one and your slutty one and your sort of um, your your lead kind of clean cut sort of one, the one that you're following the most. And and I just I don't know, I this time around, I so much I, I just got into their lives so much more and just found it that much more interesting for some reason. I had fun with it this time. I think the okay. first time I was like, is this, oh God, is this going to be a good scary slasher? And this time I was just like, oh, I'm just going to have fun with this. And it's just sort of like, there's no motivation here. And, mm -hmm. and I don't feel like, I don't believe at least from what I understand that it's trying to be deep whatsoever. It's not like the killer is like, a metaphor for AIDS or anything like that. Like, I just like that these are just gay guys existing. Like, it doesn't also go into, like, self-hatred or, like, there's none of these, like, mm -hmm. strong, oh, God, we got to make a, a, a metaphor here about whatever. Like, it's just yeah. like, hey, let's just put some gay guys in a slasher and have a killer where they don't have to dive into motivation and let there doesn't have to be some big reveal at the end. It literally is just this, like, really hot, devil daddy <laughs> like going around and, and killing people and yeah. i just had so much fun with it this time okay yeah i, I wonder if uh yeah like a group viewing or something like this this just immediately felt to me like a movie where i'm like i don't think i'm gonna enjoy it just sitting here by myself watching this like i need 
Uh, some movies feel like they need that engagement of a group because this is just so simple and dumb, really. Like the plot line, it is just uh, by the numbers slasher to the point of, like you were saying, there is no motivation and there doesn't need to be, you know? Um, and I appreciate it for that. I think my biggest gripes again are just like, it just looked so cheap. And that was really throwing me, which coming from me, like I like a lot of shitty movies, but I don't know this, this go around. I'm like, I just wish they had some more money to film this in a better quality. Cause uh, that's what, especially the ending, the climax just really felt like a Halloween episode of a soap opera or something like that, that I was just like really thrown by that. So. So here's something that you're probably not, too terribly familiar with, although I'm sure, I mean, you've seen movies like this, but like the gay movies of the early 2000s were all this like super low budget thing. Like people were getting money and like being able to do the straight to, to like VHS and DVD and mm-hmm. be, like the gays were just like eating them up. Um, but most of them just are not good. Like the quality is just not great. And okay. this fits into that, which I think at the time is why I didn't like it because I didn't care for a lot of those like very specifically niche like made for a gay like audience and put in like gay video stores in like west hollywood and things like that okay. in boys town like there's all these movies that probably tons of people rented and watch and i just i could just like i could look at the box and know exactly what that movie was and i didn't need to watch it not like i didn't need my representation i was glad these movies were being made mm-hmm. there was just a quality to them that i was not crazy about in regards to the acting and the budget and the storytelling also so many times it was just cliched and kind of dull like like not like coming out isn't important but i wanted to see it done in a unique way and lots of these movies were just you know just all very cliched which some people needed and it helped some people i'm sure okay but like that has this this quality is so reminiscent of that of that time frame to me that that era sure and i i think that might have been why it didn't jive with me when i initially watched it but i almost feel like i can watch some of those movies now and i haven't like, I don't think I've watched many of them at all, but I feel like I've wa- I could watch them with like a different lens now, whereas mm-hmm. at the time I was just kind of like, didn't, was just kind of bored with them. Um, and I don't know why I, I like, I truly went into this thinking I wasn't going to like it, but there was something about the characters and, and I wish that, like you're saying, I, I wish that I could see a, like a remake or like a requel of this from like a today lens with like a bigger budget, like a terrifier kind mm-hmm. of like yeah. gore scale, but like a similar setup. Like, let's just do a straight up gay slasher, which, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, has been done in ways like like Knife Plus Heart is like a very artistic gay slasher. Yes. Stranger by the Lake is like a very realistic serial killer gay film but like this is just a straight up fun slasher like formulaic slasher formulaic slasher by the books whereas those other two can fit into the slasher genre and are superior films no doubt but like i like the fun that i had with this especially there's a very there's a couple very specific things that happen with an eyeball yeah i'm sure originally <laughs> i just hated but here this time around i just was so tickled by all of all of the experiences with that i'm just like that is so silly like why why are yes. these things happening everything with the killer was awesome like all the gore was surprisingly good for like the quality like i was saying just how low budget this appeared to be but then the gore scenes would happen and i'm like holy crap that's really good for like the way the rest of this looks so definitely 
if they had money, it went into the effects clearly, um, which is not a bad problem to have on a low budget horror movie. So uh, that, that uh, those get the most points from me was uh, awesome gore effects and just some fun, silly shit with the, uh, the killer. Yeah. Cause I think there's some decent sequences. Like I, I love the idea of, you know, there's a, a dance floor scene where someone gets killed on the dance floor. And like, yeah. that is just so scary. Like that yeah. whole notion, but in the low quality, I could barely see what was happening. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, maybe I should buy this on DVD. I wonder if that quality is just a little bit better on a DVD than I like wonder. on a digital or like an Amazon, on a YouTube cut. Yeah, I wonder. But I'm like, man, I wish I could see this in like a really good quality because some of the things I really liked could be amped up a little bit. And also, I just, it seems especially for the time, like, it's a little surprising to me. And I mean, spoiler alert, I've already said it, that there's no motivation given to this killer. Mm -hmm. But early on, the group of gays, the gaggle of gays, have like a conversation of like what the motivation could be from this person who had killed some people in like the opening sequence. And they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe he just has mommy issues. Maybe he's some older guy who's coming out and, you know, can't deal with all the young hot guys or whatever. And it could be any of those things. It may be none of those things, Mm -hmm. but like, I appreciate that it didn't try to make some sort of statement like i even though we haven't watched it they slash them seems like that's what it's gonna do is try to make some statement which may be why it failed so miserably Mm -hmm. and why people why it didn't resonate with people Mm -hmm. and this didn't either this did not i mean definitely it was talked about as like the first gay slasher and like you know one of the first gay horror films it was like very blatantly gay and i just more than anything i just appreciate that it's people living their gay lives and there's a killer as opposed to trying to make too much of it but like and it also doesn't go crazy on like the sex and things like that like it doesn't early on when like queer as folk came out and i was like a younger gay you know like my early 20s like i don't know it was hard for me to watch some of that because I don't know that I felt like a jealousy, but there was like, oh, I'm, I don't, I can't relate to this group of like hot gay guys. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, there's something about their lives. Like I'm not that. And I just could never get into it. And plus like this, like, and I don't know, I would f- sort of feel a tinge of jealousy, like the, the pangs of that's not my life. I'll never be one of those hot guys. I don't know why, but like this movie doesn't give me any of that. Like, because mm-hmm. there is some gay sex there is some you know making out and stuff but it doesn't like lean into that it doesn't try to be like softcore porn yeah it feels more um uh, real uh more uh what's that cinema verte as they call it which is just filming real life things happening like and there's also like a pansexual character which is definitely interesting especially from this lens today i don't know why even back then it might have annoyed me but like one of the group hangs out with them, lives with them, I think as one of the roommates. And you never see him like fully getting it on with the guy. Like you can tell he's interested in guys, but he's always hooking up with girls. Mm-hmm. And that's just a thing. Like, it's not like an issue. Like, oh my God, when are you going to come out? It's not that he's just, that's just how he is. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I really dig that. Yeah, I like reason. that. That like, cause yeah, the way that was presented too for a second, I was like, wait, did I confuse him with another character or something for a second? And then I was like, oh, oh, oh no. No, that's just how this character is. Okay, points to that for uh, 
uh, and not making a big thing out of it. Cause I feel like another movie would, that would be a plot point somehow, or they would turn it into a punchline perhaps, but uh, here it just is. And I also found there's one character who like is like a model and has this big billboard where he's like, you know, wearing his underwear, like a CK or like a Calvin Klein model or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, he, I don't know, he's dressed in drag and I can't remember. He says some things on like why he's in drag, like that he doesn't want to like, I mean, he wants to take a picture in front of the billboard for like his mom. Cause he's like, how amusing would that be? But it's also just interesting that he's not going out and like flaunting his body and himself as a model. Like it's like, he mm -hmm. says something about it early on. I just can't remember what it was. Yeah. But like, ultimately the killer does, and uh, spoiler alert here, but this is kind of a harder movie to find. So this is more for, if you're not going to watch it or you already have watched it. And by the way, it's a slasher. So almost everyone dies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe everyone does die. I'm not going to say, but like, He's chasing after the killer, not knowing that it's the killer. And mm -hmm. the killer has no interest in him. Like, he's a man in drag. Like, he's sort of Marilyn Monroe-ish. Yeah. And, but, like, he's sort of annoyed that the, 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 the guy in drag, whose name is Toby, he's kind of, like, annoyed that the killer's ignoring him. And so he starts to, like, strip off all of his drag until he's in his sort of hot model Mm -hmm. natural self and then the killer is interested in him which is just like i find that scene so fascinating uh-huh and like is it a representation of like gay toxic masculinity like that it's like the hot gay guys that are gonna get killed but like oh if you're in drag like i have no interest in you i don't know there's just i found that really an interesting scene i don't know what it was saying but i was okay with that yeah uh, it uh, there there is something too to like i feel like it's maybe not an intentional commentary but it does feel like there is a creeping toxic masculinity like a gay toxic masculinity present in this film uh whether they're dissecting it or you know uh and i guess that could be there you go that's leaving it vague like that leaving it open to the viewer to dissect there you go that's good filmmaking technique uh whether intentional or not because i mean the killer i know i've already sort of mentioned it but he is like a muscle daddy i mean you don't know he's a daddy but he feels older mm -hmm. he's wearing like this sort of like leather devil mask with like horns and his body is just like ripped like he is just like ooh daddy was the murder in the beginning too that's what kept throwing me like did that happen a long time ago or did that just happen like right before the story started because it I feels think it's like right before the story started okay because at times it felt vague because sometimes they talked about it as if it like happened sometime in the past um yeah so that was something that kept confusing me and I could have dealt with like more like our lead guy, Eddie, Jake. I can't Eddie. remember. Eddie. Eddie and Jake are the two lead guys. Got it. Got it. Speak. Got it. Got it. And yeah. Jake is like the bad boy. I think. Yes. Jake's the bad boy. Which also is he's also interesting. The fact like he doesn't want to kiss and he doesn't seem sort of stereotypical gay, but mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like he's closeted. He's just like. He's just interesting. Mm -hmm. Like just layered in that way, which again, I, I can somewhat appreciate that whole side of it. But our lead guy has like, like he works at a police station, but he's like not a cop. And his dad was a cop and his sister works there. Mm -hmm. And they have an interesting kind of fun relationship. And she, you know, comes up a, a few times, but I could have had more of her, like more of that relationship I would have been totally down for. 
Yeah. I mean, then this movie's like 80 minutes, like pre-credits, maybe even less than that. Like it is quick. Yeah, it's not long at all. So again, it does have that rough draft feel of like, man, if you had some more money, it could be some more character development, some more, you know, time with different characters, a little more, a little more plot, even though I'd be hesitant to put too much more, you know. Yeah, I don't want motives. Here. I don't want flashbacks. Nope, I appreciate like none that. of that. And I, I guess just considering it was the early 2000s and some, you know, this director probably was like, I want to make a gay slasher movie. And someone's like, here's $10. Go make it <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like what is done with it, I, I can appreciate. And for whatever reason, it's just grown on me. And I mean, it, it grew on me over the like 19 years and then just revisiting it. I just was like, oh. I, there's not much to it and i don't know maybe it's you make me watch a lot of bad trauma that i appreciate yeah, this you've got, you've got a new appreciation so yeah but i was really pleasantly surprised i gotta say okay and i didn't know where you were gonna fall i was like thinking you probably weren't gonna be crazy about it but i wasn't sure i was i was hoping for the better but yeah yeah kind of in the middle <laughs> <laughs> to be blunt i was i went into this like thinking it was going to be something else i think that's what threw me was like i had no i had an entirely different movie in my head uh than you know what played out so i think that's what kind of threw me uh which can be you know unnerving sometimes your first view you don't know what to think because you're like this is just totally not something i'm used to uh especially just this quality but you're giving me context here of like a certain era and movement of film i wonder if i spend more time learning about it i'd have a different appreciation maybe maybe who knows maybe not yeah you never know well would you like to say anything else about it no i think that's that's what i got all right. Well, out of five Daddy Devil masks, Daddy Devil masks, how many do you give Hellbent? Uh, I'm going to go with a two and a half. I'm going to go with a three and a half, which means we have a split scream. Split scream. Yeah. It's been a minute. Sure do. It has been a minute. It has been. And I almost went higher, but I'm like, you know what? No. There's elements of things were different, but I I'm begging for a remake of this. Please, please, please. Yeah, no, I am too. This is, this is one that tears me because I feel like I want to like it more, but it's just like, it wasn't, I'm not being true to myself if I pretend that I like totally love this thing. So totally. um, But it is like, come on, somebody give like, I want this original filmmaker to come back and redo this, but with more money, Uh, give him somebody, give him more money and just, do it again. I think that would be awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Hellbent. That's Hellbent. I didn't realize it was Halloween. I couldn't remember that. So I probably would have given it to you around Halloween. But here we are in Pride Month. Yeah, so. it works. It works. Gay horror. All right. Moving on now to uh, M. Fritz Lang's 1931 M, which apparently the full German title I see on Letterboxd here is M. Eine Stadt schut einen Mörder. Which means what? Which is a city searches for a murderer. Oh my God, that's a long title. Yeah, that is. Uh, And the tagline on Letterboxd is, who is the murderer? And the description is, in this classic German thriller, Hans Beckert, a serial killer who preys on children, becomes the focus of a massive Berlin police manhunt. Uh, Beckert's heinous crimes are so repellent and disruptive to this to city life 
that he is even targeted by others in the CD underworld network. With both cops and criminals in pursuit, the murderer soon realizes that people are on his trail, sending him into a tense panicked attempt to escape justice. So does the M stand for murderer? Yes. Okay. Yep, M is for murder, which is apparently just M-O-R-D-E-R, but the O has the umlaut on it. That's uh, German for murderer. Okay. Okay. Murder. So I have to say that there are multiple sequences in this film that I find brilliant. And like, talk about looking at Letterboxd reviews and IMDb and people are just like, jizzing all over this movie uh-huh. and i like i get it especially probably for someone like you who studied film i'm sure you studied this in film class or yes. whatever yep. like <laughs> not having any of that while i can appreciate it and while i do think certain sequences are great and those sequences are the opening like first 10 minutes the sequence with the the killer what is his name bert uh beckert hans beckert Beckert, Peter Lorre, right? Yeah, Peter Lorre, yep. Um, the sequence with him and the little girl kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then the end, like 10, 15 minutes. Holy crap, the ending is just... So I think all of those are great. Where I struggle, where I don't like it as much, or rather where it doesn't resonate as strongly with me, are the se- long sequences with like the cops mm-hmm. trying to find things. Also with this like underground group of like, you know, um, m- misfits, criminals, yeah, whatever. The, the criminals, yeah. The, like, just uh, all the, the sequence of, like, trying to find who who done it, really. Yeah. And then also the fact that, aside from Peter Lorre, the child murderer, molester, whatever, all the above, there's no one to really follow and, like, root for. Like, there's just so many people. And I know that's probably part of its charm and part of its uniqueness. Mm-hmm. But I want someone that I can root for. I yeah, want someone to connect to. You don't to have connect. A- and there's just so many people. Yeah, there's no real point of view character in this. Because I feel like it, it's a story about Berlin. You know, like it's about the city itself is like where the focus is at, as opposed to any individual character. So, like, I I think that can be read as fascinating or infuriating. I can see both sides where you're like, come on, like, it's just a movie about a bunch of people. You don't really get to know any of them other than their surface level characteristics. But it is shot so beautifully, like Mm -hmm. so like that, like I said, that opening sequence, like especially when you're sort of finding out what happened to her i mean you don't like i didn't even know like i'm like how could they say they were murdered because we didn't know he did but like we know because they say yeah they talk about it yeah but like aside from that i kept thinking for a while that all the little girls were going to show up or something like that but (laughs) like they but then they're like oh no he's a murderer i'm like oh well how do we know that because it was the 30s right because it was the 30s and they couldn't show much more than a ball rolling away but when they show like all of those shots of the stairs and the balloon and the wires, like all of that, like that first 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, this movie, I'm going to love this so much. And then I get bored out of my mind for like a good 30 minutes. And so I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm trying, I'm struggling to like stay awake. I'm just mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ, there's all these people. I can't seem to f- have a, a person that I can follow and like really invest my emotions in, but like seeing the paranoia and all of that. And also like I, I find that is very good and fascinating, but mm-hmm. it just without someone for me to really get into, I just like was losing steam for 
after that initial sort of setup. Yeah, no, and I, I can totally understand that because there are long sequences where I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a different era. Like this is Fritz Lang's first sound movie. Uh, and if that's the case, this has to be like among the first sound German films, period. Uh, you know, because 31 is also the same year Dracula came out in the US. And that's, you know, the first sound horror movie made in America was Bella Lugosi in Dracula. So yeah, sound is new. Um I feel like they spend a lot of time just like, well, we can have people talk at length at each other, so let's do it. <laughs> and I think that's kind of where the, uh, that was novel then, but now we're like, this is really boring because, you know, eventually we'll learn to do more interesting things and not just have people stand there and talk at each other for long periods of, uh, with no like camera movement and nothing interesting <laughs> happening in frame. So yeah, I can see that. But there's like a long shot of like the camera like going over all this stuff and like I think it's the scene where they talk about stinky cheese or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the coolest shot like now even. <laughs> and the thing that like has been done so often later and probably through trickery as opposed to like actual we're going to take this camera and go over this room and into another room and through a window. And uh -huh. all this shit. Like I was just like the camera work is so great. Yeah. And um there's a there's a authenticity to this movie in the fact that many of the criminal characters were actual criminals. Really? Yeah, a lot of them were non-actors and just actual like, you know, street criminals. Uh, and many of them were arrested like after and during the making of this movie. So that was always a, a issue Fritz Lang was running into by using these non-actors who were actually part of the criminal underworld at the time. And I love the whistling motif, like especially for a talkie that doesn't have any music, because that's how so many of these movies were. Like as soon as they didn't have to use just music because it was silent, they were using no music. Yep. But to have that be like the one piece of music <laughs> that is in it is his whistling. And I, I read somewhere that it was the director whistling because Peter Lorre couldn't whistle. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what this one thing I read said. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I also read this is the first movie. This is credited as the first movie to use a musical uh, leap motif, as they oh. call it, like that, because it's, you know, early in sound era. The first time they're like, yep, we're going to use a piece of music people recognize and it'll be a recurring motif throughout the movie. Uh, so they claim this is the first movie to do that. And they are so popular in trailers now, like especially yes. like taking the sound from the trailer from like someone closing a drawer or whatever and it being consistently used like that is so overdone right now. But I love it whenever it happens. Mm -hmm. I find it so, so clever. Yeah. And there's so much smoking. Yes. Everybody's smoking all the time. Uh, and I can tell you, having just been in Germany, they still are to this day. <laughs> can I also tell you something that I just learned that I don't know how I don't know this? Okay. I never, because someone said that there was some pride thing in New York and someone created a thing for like the police cars that says like, all colors are beautiful or something. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about this? No. And it was like a sticker that they put on the side of their car or something. And someone was, there's like rumor that it was like secretly like um, meant to be like a cab. And I was like, what's a cab? Oh. I never heard this term before. Uh -huh. I never heard the term. And I, they, they told me it's like all cops are bastards. All right? cops are bastards. Yep. 
And I'm like, I've never heard that. They're like, where have you been since 2020? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I know what's going on in the world. And I mean, I get the, um, the, the sentiment there. And like, I, I, you know, that has not escaped me, but I never heard that term before a week ago. Wow. Okay. I feel like. I also like... read a, a review that said this was like the original ACAB movie. <laughs> yeah. I uh, feel like I've known that phrase for longer and I don't want to take credit for it because it's probably like it was probably taken from somewhere else. But I feel like the punk rock scene had like been using that for a a long time before it's, you know, really been cemented in the mainstream now of people knowing the phrase a cab. Um, uh, Of course, I can't make a claim that it originated in punk rock because it probably didn't. I think it came from some other political movement, but I do know the punk underground has been big on that and they've used that phrase for a while. So, but it could have. Yeah, it very well could have. Um, and I, I, uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I have a story from Germany that ties into that Tom. very sentiment where we were leaving our hotel in Berlin. Um, and uh, we had an Uber uh, and we were waiting for the Uber and it was really busy on the street. So all like the street parking was taken up. So the Uber guy just like pulled up in his lane uh, and he was stopping and we were just going to getting ready to throw our shit in and jump in to make it to the train station we needed to go to. Um, but right before we could even move, this cop on a bicycle comes up behind the Uber driver and just starts screaming at him in German. And they're going back and forth. And he like drives down the street and pulls over into a little like, you know, uh, to the side and then all of a sudden like five other bicycle cops like fly up on him and they're all yelling at each other in German blah 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 blah. and I just lean over to Sarah and I go a cab am I right uh (laughs) and then the Uber driver like pulls across the street in a parking space and then we're finally able to we're taking our luggage over to jump in his car but he comes out and he comes up to us and in German um and he says it was something it's like Polizien Schwein, which he was saying the police are pigs in German to us. And I was like, I told you, I knew he was going to come over and say that <laughs> same thing to us. He had the same sentiment. So I'm like, I guess it's the same in Europe. A cab. <laughs> Did you see this playing at any theaters over there? I didn't notice this poster. I saw um I did see Fritz Lang's silent film Metropolis. There was a lot of posters for that at like various movie theaters where they would be playing Metropolis or Nosferatu or uh, Dr. Calgary. Um, but I didn't see this one. So I'm surprised I, you didn't go to any of those. Wasn't there a time where Sarah wanted to go do something boring that you didn't want to do and you could have gone to the movie? Probably if I had done some more legwork, I probably could have gone like, oh, I could go watch Nosferatu right now in Berlin. That would be amazing. But yeah, it never, it never happened. Maybe next oh. time. I yeah. do want to go back. I definitely want to go back. It's a, an amazing city. So you got to go back for the blood sausage and curry or whatever. The, the curry worst. Curry worst. The curry worst. But and it, uh, contextually too with this movie with M, like I think this was Fritz Lang's last German movie because uh, this came out in thirty one. Contextually in history, like the Nazis were in full effect in Germany. Like okay. they were, Hitler wasn't in, I don't think he was in office yet in 31, but they were on the verge of fully, you know, taking over the country. Um, and both Fritz Lang and Peter Lorre were Jewish. So, you know, mm. they uh luckily they got out of there uh as early as they could when they realized, um, yeah, this this is not going well here. We should uh get out of here. So they both emigrated and became big Hollywood people. So so I've I've just like it just came to me how I feel I could have been more invested in this. If 
Elsie's mom, Elsie was a little girl's name, right? Yes. Yeah. The first girl. Elsie's mom, after discovering that she was dead, was dealing with the cops, trying to find who the murderer was. And the cops were, it was just like not helping dead end. And then she goes to, you know, somehow she gets brought in with like the criminals Mm -hmm. and, you know, whether it's like a love affair with one of them or however, she somehow is intertwined with them. And they're like, Oh, we're going to figure this out. And then they go and do that. And it just has this through because she is the bookend of the movie, the mom, like she's in the very beginning and at the very end. So, but like in between we sort of lose her. And I just feel if there was more of a t- but right now the reason that the underground criminals come in is because like the police are like fucking with their lives because they think it could be one of them. Yeah, exactly. They're just upset that there's so much police presence on everyone now that they need to uh, take matters into their own hands. And I also feel if I would have been if I was a person more into like gangster movies and the mafia and the mob, like I feel like if those movies mm-hmm. had any draw on me whatsoever, as opposed to the a repellent like they do, mm-hmm. I feel I also could be drawn to this because I think this movie probably informs a lot of what those movies are today. Absolutely. Like this movie is ground zero for. Uh, a lot of crime movies, a lot of definitely procedurals, like serial killer procedural movies. Like this is like the first one. Um, literally, the cops are doing things in this movie that was starting to become common practice for trying to find, uh, you know, uh, leads and clues like fingerprinting is used in here. And that was like a brand new technology at the time this movie was made. Um, th- this movie is also like I think it spoke to Germans because and they even mentioned them by name. Like there's a character that says like Grossman and Harmon, like if they could live next doors to people, those were German serial killers that had been like apprehended in the twenties and were like a big deal uh, in the German, you know, uh, news cycle at the time because they were just normal men, but they had been killing people for like this long period of time with no motivation. Why why were they doing this? So that was uh, this movie definitely struck a cultural chord, I think, when it came out in Germany. Where did you watch this movie? I watched this time. I watched it on Max. So did you have a very interesting experience with the very end of it? No. Okay, because on ours, because we watched it on Max as well. And while this doesn't bother me when I'm watching a TV show, it definitely took me out of this experience. Uh So I'm watching it and it gets to the end and it sort of like you go from your sort of climax with like all the. It did the, yeah. Yeah. And then it like makes it almost seem like a next episode and it puts, because this is like all those movies from the 30s. And like around that time where it just does sort of an abrupt end without like a credit sequence really at the end. Because the credits are in the beginning. Because the credits are in the beginning. And all of a sudden, like it puts the box as we cut to like the mom, Elsie's mom. It like puts in this little box in the upper corner. And it's like, like totally takes you out of the last moment. Of I'm the just movie. like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, let it play out. And let then it play yeah. out and then give me what do you want to watch next? Yeah, because I oh clicked God, on it. Was it. So annoying. I was reflexively like clicked on it to keep it uh, full screen. So, And one other interesting story about watching this is that I mentioned to Joe, I said, have you ever watched M? And he said, no, why did you get it assigned to you? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I want to watch it because he had oh. never seen it and had heard plenty about it. 
Mm-hmm. And I could just sense as the movie was going on that I was not alone. And his, whereas sometimes his feelings will like, I'll absorb them like a, an empath when watching a movie. Mm-hmm. That was not the case here, but like I could tell he was feeling similarly to me. Like I looked over and I saw him like looking through IMDb reviews at one point. And then eventually towards the end, he just like started playing games on his phone. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like I said to him, I'm like, so what did you think of the movie? And he was like, oh, you know, I was surprised that people are so fucking horny for this movie. And I'm like, I know, me too. I'm like, I just was like bored a lot of the time. He's like, I know, but everyone's like 10 stars, nine stars, 10 stars, nine stars. But he had a similar experience to me. We didn't get in depth because I think I'll wait until after he hears what I had to think about it. Um, but I, I felt a little better knowing that like I mm-hmm. was not alone in our viewing experience that like, you know, I don't think he hated it and it wasn't like, Oh, you can finish this on your own time. And I do think it picked back up for him. Cause I think he stopped like playing games, like towards the end when yeah. you get into your sort of climax of the whole thing. And Peter Laurie just gets such an amazing ending yes. to this. Like he gets to really act. <laughs> at the end and it's like really incredible and i don't think i've ever seen him in anything not even casablanca no i've never seen casablanca and i'm worried oh. i would not like it just like i didn't like the godfather oh no yeah i know there's some classics that i'm like oh i'm what if i'm that asshole that doesn't like yeah. something that everyone else does i mean honestly i went a long time like it's Sarah made me watch Casablanca for the first time. And that was just like a couple years ago. Cause it was just one where I was much like you. I was afraid everyone says it's a classic, but what if I don't care about it, <laughs> but I watched it and I loved it. So. And I did read, he was like the first bond villain in like a TV show. Yes. Of, uh, James Bond series. Yeah, or there there was like a TV movie or something that predates like the films, the cinema, cinema, you know, the cinematic films. Uh, and he's like the original bad guy. I'm surprised Casablanca is only 102 minutes. I guess in my mind, I always thought it was like a three and a half hour long movie. Oh, no, no. It's a quick one. But is that Citizen Kane? Is Citizen Kane like three hours? I think it is. I think Citizen Kane Do you like that? I like Citizen Kane. But again, these are movies that I'm also like, do I actually like this? Or did they just make me study it so much (laughs) in film school that I think I like it? Because that's going to be the thing with M. Like, I can totally understand where you're coming from. Because I absolutely understand when people are like, these art films, these old art films is what they are. It can be rough because they're just not, you know, exciting a lot of the time, like truthfully, the story. Um, But it's really hard for me to separate from the like knowing so much about the history of film and the context of this thing and in world history and, you know, uh, the techniques that Fritz Lang like is the first one to do this with a camera and do that. And you're like, okay, makes it really hard for me to be like, this is not an amazing movie, you know, so, but I get it. And I love the children's rhyme in the beginning. I yeah. was like, fuck yeah. I'm like, into yeah. this movie. Like I was into this movie, like two seconds in. I'm like, yes, yes. And that first 10 minutes, I'm like, yes, yes. This is so good. Yeah. And then comes the long haul. Yep. The long, just a lot of talking and a lot yeah. of, and it, that's a thing too. Like, I feel like there's not mystery because you're introduced to the killer pretty early in. So you know who he is, but the other characters don't. And I feel like that's a missed opportunity to have created some mystery. Like if you Mm -hmm. didn't, if you didn't get exposed to him early in, you might be questioning, is one of the criminals the killer? Like, you know, that could have been a plot point, but Mm -hmm. alas, that's not how they constructed it. But still, I mean, it's one that like when I saw the poster, I'm like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I obviously had no idea since I thought it was about like a monster or whatever. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I'm like, well, you're giving it to me. So it's probably some weird German horror film. And it's really more of like a, a thriller, thriller. Yep. or whatever. Um, but I mean, about a, a child killer, which I'm sure after the Hayes Code, there were, wasn't a movie about a child killer for a very long time. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, this is, yeah, this is this is heavy material for the time it came out in. Because, um, like, you know, in in Germany, shortly after this movie came out, is when you know the Nazis have full control of the film industry, and then it just becomes propaganda and or you know very controlled messaging to the people. Yeah. So this is like the tail end of Germany's like very free artistic you know period. And I did get like flashbacks to like Frankenstein and his killing of the little girl, which mm-hmm. is like totally innocent. But then there's like an interesting parallel with Peter Lorre's character. What is his name again? Hans Beckert. Beckert. With the fact that in the end, he's like, I can't help it. Like, it's like a sickness, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, it's, it, I find that parallel so interesting with like when frankenstein doesn't mean to kill the little girl i mean here mm-hmm. he means to kill them but he's like i can't help it like it's like some I'm driven st- i'm driven by it and i know historically too it's kind of it's fascinating because like serial killers have always existed it's just you know we always lacked often when cultures would lack the ability to understand what was going on um you know or the the science the medical know how to figure out you know all these people have there's something wrong inside their mind that's why they're this way but um in the 20s uh like right after world war one germany had like a spat they call them serial killer flaps uh and there was definitely one in germany like after world war one and into the world war ii era where there was just a lot of serial killers like or as i think they called them um uh, they had a phrase for it was it lust killer or something like that or psycho something killer um it was what the german police were calling them because they're like they're killers without motive other than they just want to kill uh and it, it there was like a whole bunch of them in one time period like in berlin and in these cities in germany so it's uh kind of interesting that you see these patterns because then in the u.s it would be years later that we have uh, like the 70s it felt like there's serial killers everywhere in the u.s that all became you know famous so mm-hmm. um yeah this fits into that time period in germany where like this was very much on people's minds there's these random killers out there that are just killing kids killing people for no other reason other than they want to so uh you know, the, the, the new century, the, the beginning of the 20th century. It was a scary time. It hasn't gotten much better. No, it really hasn't. <laughs> but at least I have you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unless you have anything else to say. Um, I don't. Out of five uh, Luft balloons, how many do you give M? Oh, I feel like I can't rate it the same thing as Hellbent. I want to give it a three and a half, but I'm going to give it a four just okay. for everything that I know it is good for and how brilliant the, the sequences I love are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it four. And I'm going to balloons. I feel like I, I, I'm going to give it a five or, yes. you know, the film world would come after me and be like, <laughs> what do you really know about film? Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, I feel like my school would revoke my uh, <laughs> my degree if I didn't give this a five. So. All right. Well, there you have a 
Scare of approval. Scare of approval. That's right. That's right. I know that Christian from It's Only a Podcast, I did, my Be Real came up when I was watching this. So I took a screenshot and he said, and I just like captioned to M and he wrote M is for masterpiece. And I wrote back and I said, or is M for mediocre? <laughs> and I don't think it's mediocre. In the moment, I definitely felt that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I so I know he loves this movie. And probably yeah, he, Ian too. They're like you. They're like, here's the thing. Like, you guys are like film people. And I love movies, but I'm not yeah. a film guy. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. dissect and get into all that. I go by my like emotions and what am I feeling? And not that you all don't, but mm-hmm. you all are very analytical and things like that. So yes. I can get people like you, like thinking of this in that way. Yeah, and, and and at the same time, I appreciate, like, sometimes I love people that just feel uh, and give that honest answer because, uh, you know, this snobby uh, film critic-y sort of, like, looking at these art films and dissecting them can get really pretentious sometimes. So I love to not be pretentious. <laughs> well, thanks, Jeremy. And everyone, please write in. Tell us what you thought, what you want us to watch, what's going on in your brain. Yeah, have you seen M? Have you seen Hellbent? Yeah, scaringissharing at gmail.com or follow us on Insta, scaringissharing. All one word. That's right. And um, we'll be back next week for a new release. What will it be? You'll have to come back and see. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay? Okay. And Jeremy, <laughs> as always, thank you so much for being here with me. Yeah, this is the my favorite parts of my week. Mine too. Heidi ho ha ha ha. Uh, And remember, guys, keep watching the skies. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because... Scaring is sharing. Bye! Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.